Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. The Honda HRV with sporty styling and premium interior. It's as different as the people who drive it. Fall in love with lunch again at Subway with 19 fresh new ingredients at participating restaurants. Results. It has Melbourne completely unnerved. At the back, McDonald Chip and Woody lets the traffic go past, then teases to left, to right, and kicks a wonderful goal. All rise for Anthony McDonald Tip and Woody. Hibbert made a mess of it with Oscar McDonald, and they left it there for Zaharakis, who from 52 said thank you very much and steered it home from long range. Six in a row for Essendon. They are making a mess of Melbourne in this third term. McDonald to the Woody. They don't know which way he's gone. He's had three bounces. He won't put an Oscar McDonald and kicked the most sublime goal. There's few more devastating on the burst than Anthony McDonald to the Woody. And how good does that sound if you're a Bomber fan? And they have the freedom to come and celebrate and let it all hang out after all the pressure that's been building. And they've given us the best possible answer. Their season is off and running. You train hard, you, you practice a lot, and you've got to beat the opposition who are going to try and stop you doing that. And you have periods of games where things work really well like that, so you take them when they're there. And, you know, there's no doubt the uh, the players look a bit freer tonight in terms of their mindset to um, not worry about making mistakes. After a couple of significant missteps, Essendon gets a foothold in the fresh season. Now, what can it grow into? We'll ask David Zaharakis. It's been a couple of weeks coming, and I think as a group we felt like there's been another level we can go to. So, I mean, there's been a lot of excuses, a lot of talk-talk, but, yeah, I think that quarter we just put into practice everything we've been training, and, yeah, we can beat anyone when we play like that, so we've just got to keep up the next half. I can't help but think they went in at half-time, Melbourne, and that they patted themselves on the back. They've come out here and just thrown up an insipid 25 minutes. Cross just elected to go and try and cover for Oscar McDonald, and in the process left McKernan on his own. It was a terrible decision. That was Frost's man. He has not defended one-on-one all quarter. I tell you, there was some lazy midfield running from Clayton Oliver and Jack Viney in that Dylan Shield passage of play. He, he gave him a lesson in hard midfield running. There's parts of our game that are unacceptable at the moment. I'm hurting as a coach. Our players are hurting. Our, our staff are hurting. Um, and I know our supporters are hurting, so um, my message for them is we're just going to keep going, keep improving. You know, there's 19 games to go. We're just going to keep improving and, and trying to find a way to get ourselves into some really good form. And it's as simple as that. 
One quarter doesn't make a Friday night nor a season and the Demons are now condemned to chase the year. Coach Simon Goodwin is our headline guest. Making shoulder, made contact with Dylan Grimes' head and that was reinforced, I should say, by the medical report from Richmond. Why are we officiating something that doesn't need to be officiated? For me, it's a major overcorrection. Fife, who I know is an outstanding player, some of his off-ball running is bottom end. I've spoken to opposition coaches. I know they exploit him. It feels as if we have a bit of momentum building at the moment, but we feel there's a lot of improvement left as well. A lot of us were sort of uncomfortable, I guess, with, with what was going on and the response from Dean was, you know, we've just all got to be on the same page, we've all got to toe the line. From prohibited contact to rough conduct, the ghosts of tanking past and the lessons of Thursday night, it's all in the crunch. Plus Sydney Chief Executive Tom Harley as the Swans look to avoid the dreaded zero and three. It's the round three edition of Crunch Time for Honda HRV, as different as the people who drive it and fall in love with lunch again at Subway. Night's loser was always going to lose big. Nothing good historically comes from zero and three. The Demons have given up 20 goals two years running and their pre-season tag of premiership favourites is in the wind after three games of footy. Jared Waitley with you for crunch time. Dermot Burton is with me. Hello, Dermot. How are you going? How'd you come away from last night? Yeah, it was an interesting game, wasn't it? There were moments I thought Melbourne are just going to take this control uh, and just t- wrestle it away from from the Bombers, but they just—I thought they got. I sat behind the goals for most of the game to watch it, and they just got their swarm and their pressure back, which still got another level to go to. But it's a uh, a very good uh, step up from where they've been in the previous two weeks. Well, well, that's why I wasn't all that doom and gloom. I wish I was. It was bloody <laughs> Essendon. But um, I wasn't all that doom and gloom with the Bombers for the first two games. Admittedly, they're zero and two, but they only played five bad quarters. It's not as if everything was horribly wrong for every moment. There was going to come a time when they were going to click, and they clicked last night. Kane Corns, good morning to you. Jared, good morning. Yeah, I'm a bit with you, Dan. I think we're all reminded of the uh, well, the outstanding blistering footy that Essendon can play at times. They're just yet to piece it all together. So that third quarter was as good a footy as you'll see anyone play. So seven goals from, from 13 entries and, and their stoppage work was outstanding. So it was good to see and I found it a, a pretty enjoyable game just watching it home with so much on the line for both teams. And Bob Murphy, welcome aboard. Hello, Jared. How are you, boys? Uh, yeah, I must have uh, Hello, finishing Robert. the game. Hello, Dermot. Great to see you, mate. First you, time. You too. Um, I, th- I feel like a Melbourne player, actually. I just feel a bit confused of, of, <laughs> of, of where, where it's at, of how they can go from the second quarter, just how it looked. Oh, that's the, that's the Melbourne the supporters would have wanted to see Petrarca. Like, oh, that's his role. That's, that's what he can do. He can be that sort of medium lead up forward and the the beautiful kicking and they cut through them and then the third quarter where it just completely falls away the elevator just just goes just sort of think how, how does that happen the discrepancy but the bombers yeah i mean they when, when it clicks for them they're, they're easy on the eye they're, they're not that far off melbourne we see glimpses of their best footy in the opening three weeks and, and probably everybody went 90% of tipsters, pundits went for Melbourne to win because we'd seen those glimpses. We hadn't seen all that much from Essen and I don't think they were dreadful for the opening eight quarters of the year, but, but they were bad in five of them. 
the thing with Melbourne that I walked away from last night, yes, they've got another level to go to. Yes, we know they have it in there somewhere. But they're two, uh, two of their three key forwards at the moment, Petrarca and Tom McDonald especially, sitting behind the goals. He is a classic case of a backman turned forward. Very good player. Sees the ball, runs to it, doesn't run angles. And so he hasn't got a great trick bag. Mm. He's, a, he's a backman turned forward. So there's not a big endless list of tricks that he can employ if he suddenly finds himself a little bit out of kilter. And I was surprised last night for a team that went inside 50 60 times, and that should be a winning score on the back of 60 entries inside 50, his timing of when to lead or when not to lead is out. I was thinking, I'll go, Tom, go. And then he went, and that's too long. You missed it. Uh, And and if you're not a natural forward, those things leave you very, very quickly. I'm worried about the other end as well, uh, Derm. And McDonald and Frost as their key pillars back there. Now, they wouldn't have expected that, Melbourne, because you go and get Levy, you give up two first-round draft picks to get him. You do similar for May. Now, both of those aren't playing, which has exposed... McDonald and Frost, and for a player like McKernan, who, who let's face it, he's a, he's a good, honest footballer. He, he might kick four goals, you know, two times a year. He shouldn't be kicking four goals on a team like Melbourne. So, I also feel a little bit sorry for McDonald and Frost with the ease that the ball's coming inside fifty. So, they got some issues up both ends, and I agree with you with McDonald. And but down the other end is also a big concern for them as well. What yep. was it like live, Jim? Because I, I I watched it on the TV, and often when you're watching. On the on the television, you, you you don't get an appreciation for the defensive grid or web or, or you know that that a lot of sides try and employ. But even even on the telecut, you could you could see the Melbourne players they were trying to you know spread in the in the grid. Yeah, all on their heels. There were no, several times. No, nowhere near enough pressure on the ball, so that. The kicking of an Essendon can be a good kicking side, so they they just cut through them like a knife. There were there were two aspects to that. There were several times Melbourne tried to defend four forwards with three backmen, and they're hoping mm. the cavalry would arrive. They just didn't arrive. Mm. So when we hear of, and I heard Gary's comments, of you know Frost has come off his man to try and cover somebody else. He had to make a decision. He was covering two men because somebody else had gone missing yep. and was caught and trapped further upfield. Uh, and so he had to make a decision. Who's the more likely target? Who's in more dangerous position? I'll wait to the last millisecond that I can and I'll run for that bloke yeah. and cover him. They hold the ball a little longer and dart it over the back That's to where he I mean, came there from. There just has to be more pressure yeah. on the ball. If they, if they start to get pressured kick, rush kicks, which you see in a, you know in finals footy, yeah. that's where those grids come into play because guys can, you know, the third man in. But when it when it's as open as that up the field, oh, yeah, you, you, you're you made w- to look really silly. You want that third man in with the bloke who's worked hard to get down there and outnumber yeah. the forwards, not the other way around. But <laughs> also... Melbourne had no answer to how quickly Dylan Shield played. Mm. He, he, you could see them saying, right, we're formatted, we want to set up behind, we want to have the, the zone of coverage, you know, spatial coverage rather than hard press man on man. And if we can buy four or five seconds manning the mark well, we'll get that coverage back there. Because blokes run 10 metres per second when they're at full clip. 
But Dylan Shield in the first half especially, even though they were only points ahead, 14 shots to 10 or 11. A lot of those 10 or 11 came very late in that second quarter. He played too quick for Melbourne to get settled in defence. I had a big argument with the boys on, on Fox. They were saying they should be six... Six goals ahead, four to six goals ahead if Dylan Shield kicked it better, and I didn't dispute that. But if Dylan Shield wasn't playing, they're probably four to six goals down. Mm. He was mm. that good in the first half with his with his play on capability. So there's the mechanics. What about the attitude side of things, Kane? As we heard the Angus Brayshaw interview at halftime, and Gary Lyon threw the red flag immediately before the third quarter had started. And Melbourne too easily and too quickly pleased. Oh, it's it's hard to argue with that, and I I heard that at halftime. I thought, oh, just got to be careful. Like I, I hated getting interviewed during a game, even even pre-game, because I didn't want to have that or give anything to the opposition or, or give that air of confidence. Now I know it's a, a different um, league now with access to players, and it was refreshingly honest from oh, Brayshaw. But Kane, oh, I wish they had have come and interviewed me at halftime. Quarter <laughs> time in our day, your jeans wouldn't allow. Beep, I'd, beep, have, I'd beep, have, yeah, I'd have beep. loved them to run out mid-play. So what I'm going to try and do here... I think it's fantastic. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's on, great mate. for us. It's terrific yeah. for us at home, and I support it. But I, I was just a bit old school where I don't want to give anything away here. And yeah. um, uh, whilst he spoke well, you'd have to you have to question the attitude of Melbourne going in at halftime, where they you know everything's going nicely, they're back on it, they kick seven in the second quarter. Oh, this is this is the Melbourne that we we know and love. We're going to take some beating here, and then bang, you come out a little bit slowly in the third quarter, and, and Essendon. Kick seven on you and the, the game's over. So um, it's hard to get inside the head, uh, Jared, of the Melbourne players to answer your question. But there is a bit of that. I mean, how a side with the list that they've got can concede as much score and as many inside 50s as they have in the last fortnight, um, th- there must be some mental um, issues there. And, and, uh, and, Bob, your question about uh, defending the ground, I was there on Thursday night in Adelaide and the Melbourne team and the coaching staff, go and get a copy of Geelong and the way they set up behind the goals because what they did so well, they delay Adelaide with the ball just for, just for half a second and then you get your wingman and your midfielders working so hard defensively and you see the amount of time Selwood or Menegola come off um, from the wing position and help out their defenders and also the defenders' ability to start in front of the Adelaide forwards. It was an awesome display. Now, Melbourne's team defence is, is, is broken. It's completely broken. There's 16 marks inside 50 last night to Western and it was just, it was easy, wasn't it? Uncontested marks. So uh, whatever they're trying to implement defensively is broken at the moment. It's a mental test every week, football. Mental test, physical test. And, like, and last night's game was a really obvious example of that there was there's a, a a cloud of negativity of don't lose no one no one wants mm. to be zero three particularly when you've got high talent so it was going who, who can handle mm. this situation the better now the second quarter melbourne were all over but for the, for the rest of the game essendon answered they played they played with a freedom and a connection amongst themselves that was that was in stark contrast to the week before so but they passed that test much better i think the fallout of melbourne in that third quarter, that it's the it's the fall, it's the rise and fall in such a short time that is a, is the big cross. Derm, are, are Melbourne glorious front runners? I'd have to say yes. Some Melbourne supporters go, oh, can't get off it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean there were, the Melbourne supporters I know are they, they, they're saying that. They're, oh, really? There's the frustration of. Mm. Uh, there were moments in last night's game where players would have got 
bruised and banged up. I don't think it was a terribly, terribly precise game in terms of I'm physically going to place myself in harm's way so my team wins. There were just moments when players collided. I don't think they went out there and thought, I'm just going to do whatever it takes for every moment that I am involved to win this game. I think they'll look back at that that game and, you know, in six, eight, ten weeks' time, and they might be in ten weeks' time... Uh, um, 10 and 3 or, or, or 8 and 5 and they'll say that is our poorest defensive effort. Simon Goodwin is going to join us straight after 12 so we'll ask these questions of the Melbourne coach. David Zaharakis next. He was one of the best for the Bombers as they got their breakthrough win in 2019. This is crunch time for Honda HRV with sporty styling and premium interior. It's as different as the people who drive it and fall in love with lunch again at Subway with 19 fresh new ingredients at participating restaurants. Essendon, 18-point winners over Melbourne on Friday night, 41 of their best. He got the three votes on AFL Nation was David Zaharakis. David, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. What was the sense in the aftermath of getting the first win of the season? Uh, I guess it was just um, it was just good to get reward for effort. We felt that we um, turned the corner, corner last week against St Kilda and I guess just didn't sort of have that polish to finish the game off. And I think... Uh, Last night was just good reward. That the first quarter we started the game well. We kicked six goals and sort of got the game started from there. And um, yeah, I think it was a bit of a relief that we uh, we just got the first win. When you were driving to the ground last night, Bob spoke about sort of the the air of doubt or the air of negativity that can swirl around. What what were you thinking um, in a game where both teams are zero and two? Um, no, I mean we were like we were pretty stable the last couple of weeks. We're um, we're a tiny group at the moment at the footy club and um, we were just sort of focusing on what we, we needed to work on and obviously the external media um, were, uh, were all sort of jumping on us in Melbourne and uh, we just sort of stuck straight as a group and our training and, and preparation going into games has actually been um, quite quite good going into the last sort of um, well, the first two weeks of the season and our performances on the weekend didn't really reflect that so we knew it would turn, we knew it would, uh, we, we knew it would turn around and um, as long as you get off the good start, which you did last night, and the game sort of flowed from there. But um, the boys have been yeah, going into the game with with clear mind and, and just applied footy and playing instinct, and it was good that it sort of all clicked for us last night. So, so was it a bit jarring that, it, from what you've just said, is the performances of the first two weeks? It sounds like it was unexpected in the preparation that you'd put together. Were you surprised by them? Yeah, I think I was uh, talking to someone last week. We actually kind of been peaking during the week, not on the weekend. Uh, our training sessions and, and that have been sharp and it's not like when, when you know you're training poorly to footy club, you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind, oh no, we might not play well on the weekend, but our training sessions have actually been sharp and our preparation's been sharp going into games. So we kind of, yeah, it was a bit unexpected the way we, we weren't really performing at our best on the weekends, but we were during the week. So we knew it would turn. We, that's why we had confidence in the group because we've been um, putting everything in place that we needed to and um, we just had to have uh, a few things go away and... Um, just our energy and effort around the contest is what uh, sort of turned around for us, and um, that's 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 what we know works best for us. That's our brand of footy. We we put pressure on around the ball. We win we win the stoppages and win the clearance clearances that uh, we give our forwards the best chance, and and uh, the game can flow from there. David Bob here. Congratulations on the win last night. Can you can you talk to me about the 
the psychology of the week, and whether that was from John Worsfold or the other coaches or, or the or the leaders of your of your playing group, but there was yep. a distinct lack of connection and and sort of odd decision making last week and last night you guys seemed to play with a, a lot of freedom and, and connection amongst each other how, how are we able to to make that shift yeah i guess the, that word right there connection is um is what we spoke about as well that last week we felt our, our energy and pressure was good but then we lacked that polish and you know, real connection between the lines um throughout through our group and that's obviously why we sort of finished off the game with a win last week and and we just Felt that was exactly what happened last night. That we should just um, told us that play on instinct. Um, if this game's a game of ourselves, a hard game of footy, and if you play on instinct um, or back your decisions in uh, more often than not, then you play with that free flow um, sort of mindset. And that's what we did last night. And um, we saw that when we do that, we we use the ball well. We we force Melbourne to defend us, um, and then we sort of carve them up through the middle um, of the ground and. Uh, and that was that. That's our strength, and um, that worked last night for us. And hopefully, that's something we can continue to build on, because um, we know that, yeah, as I said, when we do pressure sides during the contest, our our attack and our ball movement, if we have that connection, um, is a is a massive weapon. You were challenged last night, though. The second quarter, Melbourne had all the running. They put they put a fair bit of scoreboard pressure on you. Was there a, was yep. there a shift at halftime tactically, or was it was it more of just you you just got back and found your rhythm again? Yeah, we had we had two rotations in that second quarter, and um, as you know, when you have that, you get you're quite cooked, and that didn't really help. Um, I mean, Melbourne set their game up, and and we sort of kind of um, cooked ourselves a little bit. We we were still trying to go just as fast as what we did in the first quarter, and when you have two rotations on the bench, I think Dev Smith was in the concussion protocol at that stage, and um, when you go when you go through um, that process, you're still trying to play just as quick, you cook yourselves and. At halftime, we spoke about um, we're only seven points down, even though they kicked however many goals in that second quarter. We were, the game was still pretty even, and, and we were quite happy with how we were playing. So we just wanted to reset. Um, we got Dev back on the on the field, so we only had one down. And, and we just spoke about, all right, if we do get a bit of a run on, then let's try and control the ball, slow the ball down, and, and get it back on our terms rather than just going up and down the whole game. And I felt we... Uh, yeah, we came out in the third quarter and did that, and um, that was a, it was a great sign that we uh, were down to two on the bench. We we get challenged like that, but then we can also come back and get the win. Um, it was just a great great sign for the footy club. Dave, outstanding individual performance last night. Well done. We, we've spoken a little bit about Angus Brayshaw's comments at halftime and Gary Lyon during the AFL Nation broadcast was critical of them. As an Essendon playing group, are you made aware of? things that were said to the host broadcaster at halftime. Did you mention that at the long break? No, no, I don't have a clue what he comments were. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, I was just, want, just, just wondering if you use that for motivation. Just just on things that perhaps you can still tidy up in your game. I think Melbourne still kicked um, or had 16 scoring shots off your turnovers. Were you, were you yep. conscious of that during the game as well? And is that an area you can continue to tidy up in the coming weeks? Yeah, we're definitely conscious of that. Obviously, um, when we when we do attack, we want to attack and hit um, yeah targets through the middle ground and force teams to defend us. But obviously, our skill level isn't at, at the elite level yet, and uh, we're still working on that. But uh, that's how that's how we want to play. We want to we want to um, force sides to defend, and, and if we come through the middle on sides, because you've got such attacking half backs, that if we can get those short kicks and then get some run with Sardi and Connor McKenna and, and the likes, that uh, we can really break sides open. So. Obviously, we um, we don't want to have um, sides kicking big scores against us through our turnovers, but 
if we can tidy that up, um, then that, that is a big weapon for us. And um, like last night at work, that we scored more than more than them, and obviously that's all we have to do to win. But we don't mm. want to be scored, yeah, having more than 100 points kicked against us. Um, so we do want to we do want to slow sides down and, and not have that. But yeah, you're right; it's more sort of on the back of our own turnover. So we're we're costing ourselves. So. If we can tidy that that up, then um, then that'll be uh, a big strength. David, because of the nature of coaches and they they prefer players to err on the side of caution, we we've become a very cautioned sport the way we move the ball. Yeah. But someone like Dylan Shield comes straight out last night, plays fast, and it cap it caught everybody from Melbourne on the hop. They just couldn't defend the ball coming in that quick. It must have been wonderful to see somebody break the lines, back his pace, and just tear away from traffic. Yeah, exactly. You're spot on, and that, that's why we recruited him. We, we know he's that sort of 70, 80-metre player that he can take the ball, carry it 15, 20 metres, and then, and then he kicks it long um, in the foreground. It just breaks that, breaks that line, as you spoke about. So... That's exactly why we, we, we recruited him, and um, hopefully that he can continue that now. He's sort of off and running, got the first win, and that's sort of his breakout game for us. That um, he's such a weapon for us inside. But uh, we've now got a few players that can do that, and, and as long as yeah, we don't go too cautious with the ball, but we do tidy up our skill errors. Um, but as long as we don't go too cautious, then that, that's that's us. That's how we attack attack side. He was so good before half-time. He dried up a bit after half-time. Harms tried to put the clamps on him and did a fair job after half-time. But you still needed some pace around the, the packs as well. I mean, yourself, who, who's no slouch. But I thought a bloke who'll always get plaudits for um, how he goes around goal is Rosio Fantasia. Ooh, yep. His yep. stuff around the ball last night and through the lines further up the field was just about the, the best overall game I think I've seen him play. I thought he was wonderful for your ball carry. Yeah, he's so dynamic when he, as a forward. Um, he can kick you through a four when he's, when he's on and up and about. But then to have him come through the centre bounce or on the wing or um, come off half-back and come straight in the midfield, whatever sort of that variety of role is, that if he's not just a forward for us, it's, it's a massive weapon because when he plays well, we seem to play well as a side. Um, he's just that player, like I said, he can break lines, he can take an overhead grab, he's good overhead, um, and then sides are always watching what he's doing. I mean, he gets tagged, not tagged, but put sides really watching hard as, as a forward these days, and um, just we can come up in the midfield, and him and Waller both, he's not a tip of when they come up in the uh, in the centre bounces and then sort of get forward from there. That it's a dangerous weapon for us to have, and um, just if they can play those variety roles, then they're not stuck just as a forward, and I think when they both do that, um, then it, it's good for us. And I saw you started behind the ball on... Um, oh, my voice is broken here. I'll be on Hutchie's <laughs> show next week. Um, you started behind the ball out of the square on many occasions last night. Is that a re- redefining of your role or is it just to break it up a bit? No, nah, it's sort of just to, um, just to have... You know, obviously when guys are the six 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 rule now, you can't start off the back of the square and come straight in. So yep. you've got to sort of start in the back 50 and come in there. I think... Melbourne do the same thing where they come off the back of the square, so we just try to match that, especially with Gorney in the ruck. Um, he's so such a dominant ruckman that they can hit it forward a lot, so we just sort of um, come in off the back of that square and protect that sort of behind the stoppage area. So that was sort of a, an area of focus for us last night. We didn't want Melbourne to get on the fly through the front of the stoppage, so that was just sort of a tactic for the night. Uh-huh. 
David, I got told this morning that Sean McKernan injured his hamstring during the night, but because of the situation you were already in, he played out the game. He, he provided contest after contest late. He kicked a goal in the last quarter. Do you, do you know if that was the case? Did he play under duress? Uh, well, no. I know he had his hamstring taped um, and he played out the game, so I'm not sure whether he's done one or whether it was just tight or, or what. I mean, he could have been cramping, I think, about four or five blokes. I was cramping in the third quarter last night. I haven't cramped for about five years, so... Um, whether it was that, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure you guys will find out in the next couple of days. We've just had our own recovery this morning, so I haven't been into the footy club uh, to find that out. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully they're all right, because he did play out the game, um, and he said he kicked that goal in the last quarter, so... We'll have to, have to wait till Monday to find out that one. He did really well to get through. Good on you, David. Congratulations on last night. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. David Zaharakis, the Bombers, with the first win of their season. Become a mighty Bomber member for just $25 and receive two tickets for the price of one. Visit efc.com.au or call 1300 46 46 62. We'll delve a little deeper on the Bombers and whether the way they're playing can achieve success in 2019. How sustainable, how far can that take them? Before we do... Russell Barwick is with us for Unibets. Bye putters, four putters. Russ. G'day, Jared. G'day, boys. And uh, welcome to another fabulous Saturday uh, in and around the world of sport. And you talk about two teams that were 0 and zip. Uh, sorry, 0 and 2 last night. Well, there's another two about to fire off with Carlton and Sydney. Yet to crack it for a win. Will the outsider get up in this one as well? 250 the Blues. Sydney, $1.53. And that's out from $1.40 odd earlier in the week. So not a lot of confidence about the Swans. And just the 11.5 at the line. Same price, GWS Richmond with the Giants, the favourites to win that one. Tigers also getting 11.5. Brisbane, the favourites against Port later on today, uh, $1.60, $2.35 the power. And then the big one tonight, the Pies are $1.43 and the West Coast Eagles, $2.75. But our Friday, sorry, our footy fill up, not Friday footy fill up, our footy fill up is the West Coast Eagles at $3. So if you're keen on the Eagles, to repeat their grand final success, then you go to the website, unibet.com.au. Ten of the best and toughest races ever held on a race meeting today at Royal Randwick. I think $4 is about the shortest price anywhere. So if you're keen to get involved, the size, the TJ Smith, and, of course, the Doncaster and Derby, what a great day it is. Jared, I know you'll have one eye on that as well. Go to the website for all the racing specials as well unibet.com.au. Fabulous day all round. Enjoy the footy no matter what you're doing or enjoy the races. Good on you, Russ. Cheers. Get footy uh, fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Yeah, we have after 12, the Melbourne coach Simon Goodwin with a D slumping to 0 and 3. Dermot Brereton, Bob Murphy, Kane Corns to fire their best at Simon Goodwin who joins us in the disappointment of last night. Tom Harley, the Chief Executive of the Swans will join us at Sydney and Carlton at Marvel Stadium this afternoon. That's where we are. Roofs open, grey clouds in Melbourne. I suspect the roof will be shut by the time we get to the game. And we'll take some of your calls on the Star 21 open line. Star 21, your world, endless possibilities. one 736 736 with a particular eye towards the Dons and the Ds. This is crunch time for the Honda HRV with sporty styling and premium interior. It's as different as the people who drive it and fall in love with lunch again at Subway with 19 fresh new ingredients at participating restaurants. 
There was an edge to last night with winless teams meeting and there is this afternoon as well as Carlton hosts the Sydney Swans at Marvel Stadium. On Crunch Time, the, he's the new Chief Executive of the Sydney Swans, Tom Harley. Tom, welcome to Crunch Time. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me. Do you feel a, a bit on edge at 0-2? Uh, I think if you're involved in this game and you're a competitor, of course you do. Abs- absolutely. So, um, look, at the same token, really confident um, that we'll be able to turn things around. Um, the the list, is, list is healthy um, and we think we've got good depth and uh, looking forward to a good afternoon. So how did you approach season 2019? Did, did you feel like um, so we spoke to John Longmire last week and he spoke about how many games had been put into young players mm-hmm. and there was an absolute commitment to keep doing that and developing on the run essentially. Did you worry about this season whether there was the, for what the Swans would be a step backwards as you look to build the next wave? Look I, I, I don't think so. I mean I guess in the role I'm in at the moment a step removed from the, the um, I guess the cut and thrust of the football department but in saying that coming from the footy department um, not a lot of change. If we, we had a fundamentally the same 24-25 players last year um, and they played critical roles and were uh, you know seven minutes to go and round 23 were a kick away from top four so um, that has to give you some confidence in the quality of the younger players coming through um, all clubs have younger players ours have played significant roles so um, they're continuing to do that but I guess tempered by that is um uh, an understanding that there can be fluctuations in forms with younger players, but certainly not an excuse, and um, we'd expect to be uh, be a good side again this year. You've lived the journey of 0-3 and much worse than that a couple of years ago. You're sort of the exception that proves the rule. Is how difficult is it to to chase the season, even when you do it successfully? Yeah, look, I think it has to be viewed as an exception. Um, I think prior to that, it might have been 0-4. and four. You could probably tell me the answer to that, Jared, but... Um, that was quite an extraordinary season that went 15 and 1, I think, for the next 16. So, um, you know, you don't want to get yourself in that situation. So, wins earlier important. Uh, are you surprised that the media make so much of it? I mean, you could come out in round six and you might be, you know, two and three, and then you lose two in a row, and mm. people say, oh, they might win next week. Mm. Uh, there's no real urgency about it. You always love to win, but. Mm. If you do it at the start of the year, the Mm. media focus on it and historical data, don't they? And it almost puts pressure, needless pressure. Do you guys feel that pressure anyway? Mm. I think I think you're right, Dermot. There's a, an insatiable appetite that builds through the pre-season, and um, uh, obviously, if you don't start with early wins, um, a narrative gets built around you. But um, <clears throat> I think history and data suggest that after about round eight or nine, I think it is the eight doesn't change a lot. That's when you settle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, clubs, I guess, with the difference in preparation times through pre-season, surgery, no surgery, those sorts of things. It's not a, it's not as even a um, playing field as what a lot of people think at round one. So some clubs take a bit of time to get going. But um, around about, I think, three, four, five, six, um, you know, the teams who might be a little delayed should be up and going. You haven't exactly had a settled team. What I would hmm. look at and say, that's a Swans settled team for the opening two rounds mm-hmm. and today you've made you've, you've got three changes mm-hmm. again today you still got some fine players at the selection table and putting mm-hmm. their hand up and they're out there but you haven't really settled have you yeah, that's again probably a, a specific question for john but um 
you know, we Tommy McCartan comes in, for instance, and he hasn't really been available for selection up until now, and it's great that he's he's um, fit and healthy. Um, so he provides a bit of flexibility for us. Um, Louis Mellican comes out, who was a bit scratchy. Um, and I guess getting that balance Clark right, comes out. Clark you comes recruited out, him. Yeah. You used him forward, and he, I watched his forward craft last week, and, and I wouldn't be playing him there again. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's uh, he's obviously hasn't been in the best of form. Thurlow comes in, and then we recruited him um, with a view to potentially free up a Mills, but Mills is strong at halfback. So long-winded way, Derm, I think, of answering the question by saying, yes, you know, we're, we're working on how it all sort of looks at the minute, but very confident with the 22 we roll out because I think, I think, as your point, um, uh, they're, they're good names. It's just finding the right the yeah. right chemistry yeah. through it. Tom, there's the, the concussion in football is is a, a percolating issue and, and the Swans have gone through it with Tom McCartan. Yeah. Can, you, can you give us an insight into into the, the, the narrative of, of that and the circumstances around Tom? Yeah, Tom, Tom is... We, Tom's was a bit different. So Tom had a... He copped a... I won't say an innocuous knock, but a knock at training. Um, and it, was a, it wasn't so much a concussion head knock. It was an, uh, to the neck. And, and we did the... Um, the appropriate scans, uh, and he had concussive-type symptoms. So um, we needed to absolutely exhaust our our diagnosis, if you like, and and got to a situation where it was a it was a almost a genetic thing where there was a pooling of um, trauma as opposed to something specific. So. Um, and it, once he was cleared and he was symptom-free, he was good to go. So that's how he's, he's played out, and he's absolutely fine. Um, I guess where the hysteria is the wrong word, but I guess where the commentary surrounded Tom was the unavoidable comparison to Paddy, who's had a number of concussions, and whether there was something in, that, in all of that, but it wasn't. But, uh, I mean, when we played Bob, and certainly... Uh, um, through your era, Dermot, the management of concussion has changed a lot. I wouldn't have called it management. <laughs> what would you call it? Uh, you got called a weak something yeah. if, you, yeah. if you didn't front up within yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. I think coaches now, coaches are really good at trusting their doctors, mm. but we shouldn't underestimate the stress that a doctor is under in that critical moment when he says or gets someone to funnel the message up to the coach that Bob's off, he's, he's done for the day, because mm. um, that's the most significant change I've noticed in the last Normal, couple of years. Normally, the coach would call back down the line, you're kidding me. Yeah, yeah no, th- these days, I, and that was a role I had for the past in, four in years. In the past days, yeah. And it's yeah. just, okay, move on. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Yeah. What about the, the, the perfume of, of pessimism that was around? Some great sponsor. words today, Bob. Per- you percolated the... perfume of pessimism. You know Say that three times quickly, <laughs> Dan. Those three words together. You've had the dictionary it's over a good on pee, haven't you? It was you? the word of the day. It popped up in my calendar this morning. Another one. Can... Popped. If I'm a cynic, I reckon this might be prescribed, uh, Bob, but anyway. <laughs> uh, I just wanted that, that that often often leadership groups in particular will yeah. use outside criticism as as a motivation and, and I know you're not as close to yep. the playing group as as, as yep. John Longmore and those sort of yep. people but is there is that something that you think that this current Bloods group have used? Uh, specific to that, I'm not sure, but probably hazard a guess and say yes. Um, what I can say, and I guess talking to our supporters as much as anyone else, they're an extremely proud group, particularly the core leaders, and they did experience the Zip6 start a couple of years ago. And like all experiences in life, when you've been there and it's not a pleasant one, you don't want to go back there anytime soon. So um, I'm really proud and really confident of the group we've got that there, there will be an element of galvanisation for sure. I want to ask you one last little one for me and then we'll hand it over to Kane. Down here in the forward pocket... Yep. Some 14, 15 years ago, when I was with the Hawthorne board, I came yep. down there, and I think you guys even won the game. 
But you played on a young kid by the name of Franklin. He and <laughs> This you, is back in my blue and white days, correct. as opposed to the red and white ones. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And he turned you around and kicked a dribble from the <laughs> boundary line. And you put your hands on your hips and looked at your teammates. And I reckon you said, how good is this kid? Where's he been? Did you think he'd become the Lance Franklin that he is now? What, do you remember that moment? I remember it vividly. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was a actually, of the eye there. It was actually, it was actually, um, it was 2006 round 23 or thereabouts. <laughs> and not only did uh, did Lance pivot and then take off, I, if you saw me holding my hips, it would have been after I clashed my hammy <laughs> because <laughs> I tore my hammy and uh, spent the rest of the game off. Um, but it was one of those ones where, geez, um, two things. He's a freakish talent and he's going to be a good player can't wait till he plays for the Swans in 10 years time <laughs> and then secondly um, I think my days of chasing those sort of players are, uh, are up I might have to play the, uh, the the more the looser role in the back line yeah he's 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 been unbelievable for the Sydney Swans um, and he's my, a ticket item there now is he absolutely yeah. he's, he's, he's in he's, the city he's great for the game um, his on-field performances absolutely speak for himself and his selection as All-Australian captain last year was fantastic and just deserves I, I did think. see there was a piece I haven't fully read it but it flashed up um, um, Swan's still paying for Franklin trade. That there's, there's still a thesis that runs against mm. it. Can, mm. it. Can you just not have that at all? Oh, I, I, I mean, uh, clearly we hear it, but from where I sit and, and privy to <laughs> right at the pointy end of it, he is worth his weight in gold. And, um, and as I say, uh, even if the discussion was just his on-field performance... Um, and he, he's absolutely satisfied that. But to Derm's point, and Derm would know Sydney well, that um, he, the, the work that he does and bringing bums on seats to the Swans mm. is just uh, is absolutely next level. And um, he's a marvel. And, and whenever his time is up, um, whenever that might be, I hope he stays around the footy club for a long time. What conversations have you had with your number one ticket holder, Cynthia Bannum, this week? Yeah, I've had plenty, Jared, as you can imagine. And... Um, as we said straight after the game, um, unbelievably disappointed, um, uh, and 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 remain extremely disappointed that um, someone like Cynthia, who is as classy an individual as I've come across, um, and as sincere, um, is genuinely hurt. And um, as a footy club, we've had a couple of key people hurt over the journey, and quite frankly, it's not good enough. Um, but she is she's a, she is something special, and. Um, she actually was at the uh, a guest at the Go Foundation big lunch, which uh, Mick O'Loughlin and Adam Goods have got their foundation for education, which raised near enough 600 grand. And, and she was there putting her hand up, bidding for uh, bidding for items. There, she's a, an absolute star. So um, we will support her to the hilt, um, and we'll continue to do what's right for the right. My my view on decision making is pretty simple: you do the right thing for the right reason, and we will be behind her all the way. Did she? not want anything more to come of it? Did she want it to, to end, to go away, so that she's not forever linked with it? I think I think that that would be a reasonable reasonable assessment. I mean, it, it, she's very self-effacing, um, and we're not... If she's... Uh, if she, we're not going to give uh, more oxygen to it for the benefit of others. And um, as I say, she has been unbelievably strong through this, and um, and understandably so. She's, she's upset, but um, in time... Um, she'll handle it the right way. Is the club... Um, what's the right... It, are you satisfied with where it sits, you, with how it's been resolved, whether it's been resolved? I think the, for the first question is whether it's been resolved. Yeah. Um, and then 
you know, we, we're, I tell you what we are satisfied with. We are absolutely satisfied with our stance on the matter and we're absolutely satisfied in our support of Cynthia and we'll continue to do that. Um, as far as all the other rhetoric and commentary around that... Um, will concern ourselves with the things that we need to concern ourselves with. Is Sydney's relationship with Eddie Maguire a, a difficult one, a fractious one? Um, I don't... It's probably an answer for Andrew Pridham as, as chair to chair. Um, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a tough week, and I guess to answer that, you know, he's been at the, the coalface of it. Um, and as I said, we've 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 been extremely disappointed as a, as a result of all of that. Hmm. There's just from your body language and tone, it's, it, it's clear how much it has affected. Um, good luck for the afternoon. It's, yeah, it's, it's an important uh, game for us, and and we're really looking forward to it, and uh, and, and very confident in the uh, in the squad that we've got, and and obviously with John as the coach, we're in we're in good hands. There's all a right. perfume of optimism. Just stop. Go with it, Doom. Tom. You're a real polycolophonist. <laughs> <laughs> I've read P in the dictionary as well. Tom Harley, thanks. Tom Harley, the no worries, chief executive of the Sydney Swans with the Swans and Carlton this afternoon at Marvel Stadium. We have before us the takeouts from last night. So what does this all mean? Melbourne is 17th with a percentage of 63.8. They are 0 and 3, so they are left to chase the season. Simon Goodwin, the Demons coach, is going to be with us shortly after 12. For Essendon, they lifted their percentage to 78.3 with a win there in 14th place and the two winless sides Sydney and Carlton right now sit 15th and 16th on the AFL ladder. That is the 40 Winks Serious About Sleep Ladder update. Save up to 50% on the 40 Winks Back Care range. Simon Goodwin coming up with Derm, Kane and Bob. The award-winning crunch time. The Honda HRV, as different as the people who drive it. Fall in love with lunch again at Subway with 19 fresh new ingredients at participating restaurants. The idea of premiership favouritism is long gone for Melbourne. It's a tooth and nail struggle now to even be past of the September action, given the history of teams at zero and three. Essendon avoided that fate. How far can that run-and-gun thrilling footy that we saw last night in a high-scoring game at the MCG take them? These are ponderances, takeouts from last night, from Friday night footy. We'll extend the take in Thursday night as well. The history of Melbourne's tanking, which has been laid bare in the Herald Sun over the past couple of days. And all the, uh, all the flashpoints from the week to be debated in the crunch. But Simon Goodwin is going to join us shortly. On crunch time, it's Jared Waitley, Dermot Brereton, Bob Murphy and Kane Corns really honing down on what we learnt out of last night. So just the, the straight-up question of 0-3. So 30 teams, only Sydney have done it in the same period of time we've been talking about. So a decade sample size, 0-3, is, it's poison. It, it, it's an awful place to be. Kane, will Melbourne play finals... Uh, yes, I think they will, Jared. I think they will. Now, that's a, a with the numbers that you're alluding to, um, it's difficult, but I, th- I think they will. I'm going to back them into play finals from here, but they'd want to get their defensive structure and the defensive system set up a lot better than, than what it is at the moment if they're to do so. I see the question twofold that they may play finals, and I'm kind of with Kane that I think they're probably good enough to get there, but when the energy it takes now to make up the ground. History probably shows us that you might make it, but 
you've burnt you've burnt too many tickets along the way to make to make a big impact. And we and you know this was Melbourne's year to to challenge. So I think I think that's that's the real kicker to it. For me, unreservedly, yes, they'll play finals. They're too good a team. They'll get on a roll somewhere. But what this start and the way we've seen them beaten tells me is there are character flaws there. So when they get to the sharp end, those character flaws will be exposed against the very, very best teams. Yeah, so I'm with I'm with you. I, I still think they will. The idea they're too good a team, that's probably... I left last night thinking, I wonder. I wonder if they actually are. Their talent's good. Some of it is. Are, are, so they've got are a you big... making the... Are you discerning between a good team and a well-talented team? They, they don't look like... So they had a long tail last night, which surprised me. And it wasn't... We started to talk about it in the pre-match. Then you started to look around going, yeah, actually, they're not... They're nowhere near a complete team. Now, some of the pieces are there, and this is where it gets interesting, Kane, is, is you've pointed out the defensive deficiencies and it was unmissable last night. And they've got the two players who can solve that. But May's going to miss a spate of footy now and Lever's due back, as he's told us last night, he's got a six- to seven-week training program from here. So he's really the buy. Is mm. How long can they exist without... May and Lever, and what difference does it make? I would throw what? sort of sorry, Kane. I would throw Jordan Lewis into that as well as the as the elder statesman because at times last night they they did look disor you know unorganised down in the in in the defensive. So they're they're the two key pillars. What you're talking about, but also Jordan Lewis is the senior head down there. And all of a sudden, when Lever's there, uh, Frost and McDonald become the, the third banana where they're defensively okay, but Lever comes across and intercepts. So his absence is huge. Um, we know that. But I know it's been spoken about a lot this week, but the, the disappointment from Stephen May and the way that the Melbourne supporters should be feeling about the way he turned up to pre-season by his own admission, and, and Jordan Lewis went on radio to say that they were disappointing. I'm paraphrasing here, disappointed in the way that he turned up. I, I can't get my head around it. Bob, you're a bit more forgiving than what I am, but how an AFL player who's 27 years of age, he's a captain of a club, a former captain of a club, can turn up at a new club on a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract out of shape. I, 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 can't, I can't get my head around <laughs> that. I mean, these, these guys get... They get a lot of time off now, so we know that. So they yeah, get no, their eight that, to ten, ten weeks in the off season. Yeah, if, no, that, that's, if that's the case. Yeah, because it is. Gen- generally, if a player going to a new club, you get the you get the best version of them when they arrive. So to to hear that is quite staggering. I, so I he plays last Stephen night. Derm, so just sorry, if he okay. plays last night, I think they win. Uh, there's no way McKern is kicking four on Stephen May last night, particularly if he's under an injury cloud as well. So he plays, he's fully fit, he's at the top of his game, he's sharp. They win last night. So that, that's the, the impact that his pre-season is having on the team right now. And also it's a distraction. Gary Lyon, a former club great, has spoken about it all week. That's a distraction. The, the tanking situation yesterday is a distraction. These are all 0.5 percenters that add up and perhaps weigh on the players' minds as they go out to play last night. I spoke to Stephen May last night before the game. Saw him out in the ground. We were chatting away and just sort of having a good, honest chat. And it was not to be, you know, use it straight up on air. But I got the feeling from him that he regrets what he's said. And he feels like he wasn't all that far off uh, being in pretty reasonable nick as a footballer when he got there, as opposed to the the way he sold that story. I think so. So outside influence have picked up that 
and run with it and made it something more. It'd be interesting if we could speak to Stephen May at some stage in the next week or two and get his true version on what words he's well, this is Jordan. Made. This is Jordan Law's pre-game, so yeah. this is uh, on 3 I think May would look well, he's back he's reacting too, Kane, to, to what, what he believes he's heard Stephen May say. But he's seen it. He's there. He's at, Jordan Lewis is a, he's a four-time. He's, he's, he's been around the block a few times. I think May would look back at the way he arrived at the club and wouldn't but, be happy. Maybe the standards they have at the Gold Coast, maybe that's the standards they have see, at the Gold Coast, but we have high standards at Melbourne. He understands that. I, I, just so you can uh, give it to the people out there who, who you know, local footballers, park footballers, when you talk about a bloke hasn't turned up in shape, you're thinking of a bloke who comes in looking like Mick Nolan when he should, no. you know, when yeah. he, he should look like Lance Franklin. Um, he, he, he wasn't that. When he says, I come, I come in out of shape, he's still the same size and shape. He, he, his skin folds might be, you know, 2% more, which at, at the high end is not conducive to playing absolute top footy but he's not a blubbery mess or anything mm. like that and and you know a young club they have different you know as the, the Gold Coast Suns they have different aspirations and the likes but their professionalism still is good enough that somebody turns up and they're near enough to perfection in terms of the adult physique mm. for footy. I don't I don't buy that oh their their standards are less, you know. They still have insanely high standards. I think his word usage has been taken out of context here and I think people have we in the media have taken picked it up and run with it more than it should have been. All right, more on Melbourne in a moment. The Essendon side of things so you're thinking Hooker or Danaher, Hooker or who, Danaher. who do they want back first now? Now they've got one on the board, they've opened the account. Who do they need back quicker? than the other. Given the footy God says you can have one back right now, I almost think it's Kyle Hooker. Just to... Danaher, we know, is the better pure footballer, but I almost think it's Kyle Hooker that they need back just for troubleshooting at either end, whichever end they find they're a little bit distorted in. Uh, he can go and, and fix that up. That's while a they're great question. Finding, <laughs> their, finding their, their mojo. Well, they'll get Hooker back first, that much we know. He yeah. probably plays next week. My, my take out, and I, uh, we might delve, we might not, the umpiring was so poor last night. Oh, yeah. So poor. It has to be better than that. It especially has to be better than that in a showpiece game like Friday night. Okay, so Melbourne, 0-3. and three. We know the historic ramifications of that. The Demons coach, Simon Goodwin, is with us on Crunch Time. Simon, welcome. Afternoon, Jared. Afternoon, boys. Did you, did you leave with some decent-sized headaches last night? Oh, yeah, you certainly do when you're 0-3 when you're and, um, and still not functioning in the way that I play, um, it leaves you with a fair bit to think about. But, you know, there's some trends that are starting to emerge in how we're playing and um, the things that we really need to get better at as a team. And, you know, it's a pretty strong post-game about, you know, we're just too easy to play against and too easy to score against. And um, that comes from a, from a number of facets within our game. Are you a bit shocked by it? Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, yeah, you know, you yeah. You work hard all summer and um, you try and prepare your team as best you can. But, um, you know, that's the reality of footy sometimes. It's a tough industry and yeah, um, there's going to be periods of a year and, um, you know, periods of seasons where you're going to be out of form. And uh, we've just happened to have that right at the start of the season. So we have to work through that as a footy club and, and look for ways to find our best footy. And, um, you know, that's all we'll continue to strive to do.
can you take us to half time, Simon? Have you have you seen the Angus Brayshaw interview? Have you heard what he said? Uh, about ten minutes ago. So I'm, I've just been, yeah, just just recently. So what did you think when you've seen it? Yeah, look, from, you know, I think the reality was he was saying what was true that we uh, we were back playing some of our best footy and it looked more like us. Um, and I think that's in reality um, what we're striving to do as a club but do it for longer and ultimately when you come out in the third quarter and perform the way we performed um, we went back to not looking like the Melbourne way of playing so um, in the end we couldn't sustain what we'd built in the second quarter for long enough. Does it give you any sort of insight into whether the players will think we'll be right now we've discovered it we'll be right now? No, not at all. No, I think, you know, they're excited to have a quarter where they actually started to string some of the, the footy together. As I said, it's been a bit of a story of our first three weeks. We haven't been able to sustain that for any period of time. Um, you know, the second quarter was, was certainly something that looked more like the Melbourne way of playing. Um, but in previous games alike, you know, it, it's only been there for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. Simon, Bob here. There, there were patches last night where the where the grid defence that, you know, the team defence that the Demons play with was was sliced open by the by the slick Essendon ball movement. Was your frustration more with the lack of pressure on the ball carrier or was it the, the, the zone itself being sort of on the back foot or was it a combination of both? Oh, it's a combination, Bob. We're just not in sync at the moment defensively. You know, we're getting sent at both ends of the ground. You know, I think we're minus 13 for ground ball inside forward 50, which makes it really hard as your first layer of defence to to get set up and, and get some real delay on the footy. So um, you know, that's certainly an issue, but we're certainly not um, functioning in sync together in all in all lines of, of our defence. And obviously that's putting enormous pressure on our back half and we're struggling to win the contest down there as well. So, um, yeah, it's just not functioning in the way that we'd like. That's why we're easy to play against and easy to score against. One of the one of the hallmarks of the demons last year was you would often have two halfbacks off the bat and charging through as a as a, a real offensive weapon. Uh, I, I wasn't at the game live last night, so I, I, I couldn't see if that's still in, implemented. But has the has six, the six, has the has the six 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 just um, sort of hamstrung you a little bit with that tactic? Yeah, we probably um, late last year went to a more traditional six six-man forward line in the, probably the last six or seven weeks of the season and also throughout the finals. So um, it's certainly not something that's new to us, but we're, we're just not getting the clearances and the quality of the clearances um, that we'd like. And obviously the opposition are, and it was, it was certainly a growing source for us last night. So that's something we'll have to look at and, and how we can tighten that up. And, you know, it's as much the inside of the centre square of, of the centre bounce as is the outside. Prior to the season, if you looked at uh, your midfield, I think Champion Data had you ranked number one, and it's hard to argue with that. How can you explain, you know, having 70 points kicked against you at stoppage last night when you've got a couple of inside balls and the best ruckman in the game, Goody? Yeah, look, every single one of our, our midfielders was in, in rehab for the majority of the pre-season, so we're still working hard at training, trying to really build that chemistry back with our rucks and our inside mids and um, you know, we are actually winning our fair share of clearances, but we're getting, um, we're not scoring enough on the back of those, but we're also, when, it, when we're losing our clearances, we're, we're getting scored heavily against down the other end. So our ability to defend from, from clearance is poor at the moment. And, um, you know, that's from our inside mids and, and guys around the footy, but also our defenders being able to win some one-on-ones for us. 
We've spoken a little bit about Stephen May. I know it's been spoken about all week and you, you've answered questions on this. But at the time, take us back, did you feel let down w- with the way that he presented himself for pre-season? I, look, I certainly wasn't let down. I, I felt we always knew that we had work to do with Stephen. Um, now he walked in and, and he certainly uh, knew that he had a bit of work to do based on the standards that we had as a footy club. And, um, you know, he's worked incredibly hard from that point on when he walked in to actually get himself into some really good shape. And um, I'm probably disappointed for him because he's he working and he's, he's now got these niggles to go with it. So um, he'll get his rewards if he keeps working hard and, and stays in good shape. But you know, he, he certainly won't be coming back to pre-season in that nick again, that's for sure. Goody Dermot here. The, you guys went inside. I mean, you've got—you're not that far off, but you've got issues in all three areas, as you said, defending the stoppage. Your backline gave up 130 points for 53 inside 50s. Once again, you've got last week 72 inside 50s, although though most of them were dreadful. 63 inside 50s, and you couldn't kick the winning score. What needs to happen with the, the forward half of the ground? Yeah, look, we, we certainly need to connect better. Um, you would have seen last night, we, we certainly lowered our eyes better, but at times we still um, missed our easy targets and our fundamentals weren't up to scratch. So, um, And that then overloads your defence. So, yeah, we need to keep finding those entries, but get quality entries and, and get some marks inside 50. So they're actually scoring, but also help your defence as well. So, um, But just inconsistent in all phases of our game, and, and that's overloading a lot of areas. Can I ask, uh, Tom McDonald, who I think last year you'd probably suggest was your number one key forward, even with Jesse being there, Tom did such a wonderful job. Being a backman turned forward, I just watched last night and I thought he was a half a second to a second on half a dozen occasions slow to exit the goal square or get on the lead and meet the ball. And, that, and in league footy, that's an eternity. Somebody else chips in and, and slides through. Is it something you can train for with him, or do you see it that way or not see it that way with Tom, who's, as I say, he's a damn good player, but he's not a natural forward? Yeah, look, you're, you're spot on, Damon. I think what you're talking about there is the difference between being in form and out of form as a player. Um, you know, you're half a second slower to make decision-making, and um, now he's probably just running under the ball a little bit at the moment in his mouth. So um, he's working really hard at training to, to get, one, his main asset back, which is his marking, and then he, his timing uh, to jump at the ball, but also with his leading. So, yeah, he, he's a new forward. Um, he's a work in progress and a developing forward, but we know the capability that he has gotten. Um, you know, I think in the not-too-distant future we'll get him back in some really good form. So w- when you pull the boys in at training this week and you'll have an accent on something... Do you try and cover all bases or do you get really good at one of the three areas first? Uh, we have to get back to being really hard to play against first and foremost, Jim, and that's being able to defend the ground in a way that, that lets you hang in games. You know, our connection will come, our ability to connect forward to centre will come, um, but we need to be harder to play against and, and not give up scores like we have um, because all that does, it fuels the, the opposition's energy um, and they get fueled by scoring. So we need to try and limit that first and foremost and um, and then hanging games for longer to give ourselves some really good opportunities. Final one from me. I, I know he didn't kick all that well, but did you find it hard as a team, as a unit, behind the footy to defence against someone like Dylan Shield, who played the ball seriously fast last night? 
no question he's a, a talented midfielder who, who broke lines and you know he, he used his to certainly work his way through the midfield and that, that left us really isolated you know back of centre so um, you know that's the type of player and the damaging player that he that he is and you know in the end we had to move James Harmstone at quarter trying to limit that effect. Do you accept the historical difficulty that zero three represents, Simon? Oh, look, you know, I certainly won't be looking at that. You know, the zero and three is you know, the reality of where we're at. All we need to look at is next week and actually how we're going to get back in some really good form. Um, how that pans out for the season, um, we'll just have to wait and see. But first and foremost, we'll look at this week against Sydney, how we get ourselves back in a form and how we get our season. Simon, Simon, with uh, the Friday night footy, it's always the double-edged sword, and obviously, you know, losing makes it for an uncomfortable weekend. But will there be something different over today or tomorrow? Will the the playing group get together, or will you do something uh, sort of not the norm that you would usually do? Yeah, we've got a short turnaround, Bob. We we play Thursday night in Sydney, so we've actually got training tomorrow and Sunday. So, you know, we'll train together. We'll have a bit of lunch and then... uh, our VFL um, so yeah it is a slightly different week and a chance to get together tomorrow spend a bit of time with each other and um, have a really good review about how we're going to get better and how we're going to move forward but also just spend some time together and, and rally around getting ourselves ready for Thursday and, and heading up to Sydney Simon uh, appreciate your time uh, in the circumstances good on you yeah thanks guys Simon Goodwin with it the uh, the Demons 0 and 3 um sort of settles the debate around Stephen May there, doesn't it? There's, certainly won't be coming back to pre-season in that nick again. Yeah, so... <laughs> I read Stephen wrong last night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to what degree are they missing Jesse Hogan? So 20 games last year, 47 goals. Yeah. I don't um, think it's a make, lot to replace. I know, but I don't think he would have. He, he would be making a difference to the way this team is playing right now. Mm. I mean, last oh, week at, yeah. at, against uh, the Gold Coast Suns, he ended up in the midfield. Um, yeah, I can't see the way he plays would have a market effect on that forward line. Yeah, he just gives you a bit more some flexibility, though, doesn't he? He can go up the ground, he can play behind the ball if you need him to, and then the, the pressure that's on McDonald now that probably wasn't on him last year. I know McDonald Correct. was their main forward, forward last year, but he, he did alleviate some of that pressure. So their goals last night, you know, they got 53 from McDonald, 47 Jared from, from Hogan, and then 32 from Melksham. It's a good spread of goal kickers. They don't have that right now, clearly. I don't, I don't mind hearing the numbers when they're put up like that, but yep. to me... You've got to take one out. So Wiedemann goes back. Mm, he goes mm. back to seconds. Do you, do, you well, want to, do you want to do that? No, see, I think you can play three because of the flexibility that Hogan gives you. I mean, he well, can... where do you play Petraka then? Then you're too big. Petraka's, mm. he's only 186 centimetres, which is not an only. It's a big kid, 96 kilos. But he's a sub-sized key position player when you can get him isolated. Yeah, well, I guess Richmond have the same issue. They're going to have Lynch and Rewald and Caddy. So it's a, simil- it's a similar mix. I think you've got the talent there. You can work it. Um, it, it just What I'm saying is it does take some pressure off McDonald, who's, you know, what's he kicked? One goal in three mm-hmm. games. He, he's struggling. And uh, Wiedemann's probably not yet ready to be, to be a Jesse Hogan type. Where do you sit in the Petraka debate, which has been going on during the week? And uh, now the, the comparison with Dugowie is being made, and, and the more it's made, the, the more he suffers by it. 
Dugowie's a bigger athlete who can get the ball higher off the ground. Dugowie's about 191, Petraka's 186 and a bit heavier. Petraka's... I would try and strip weight off Petraka. If you mm, want same. him to play that third forward that is the, a sub-size key position player, he's got to be able to mark the ball above his head while both feet are off the ground, i.e. he has to be able to jump at it. But he goes for marks on the lead and he powers through the the point of contact. Uh, he'll try and keep both feet on the ground and hip with his, you know, monstrous big, huge frame hip his opponent off the ball, but that still keeps him grounded, so he's not getting the ball that high off the ground, so he can only be in a one-on-one and win that, which is great if the ball's coming in quick, but on times of necessity, like the last three games they've played, it's not coming in a lot of the time one-on-one for his benefit, so you've got to have another trick in your bags. You have to be able to jump at the ball, and to me, his weight... Working a man over, running around the forward line, and then putting a jump on the end of that work—he's—he's he's a bit heavy. I think, yeah, I think he'll get there. He, do, he does look heavy. I said last week, maybe you know, strip a couple of kilos off him. You'd love to look at his pre-season and his training and, and work out how hard he actually works. But Bob, I think you would know, and Derm especially would know, it, it is a tough position to play. Probably the hardest position to play, particularly when it's not coming in as freely as you like. But it, there was positive signs last night. I thought he was—he was really clean at least, uh, and he looked the dangerous player that we know he can be. He, he's not overweight. He's no. just too big. Mm. Yeah. So don't take it in. Don't say, you know, <laughs> label me trying to say uh, I'm accusing him of being over. No, 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 no. He's just too big. Yeah. I think I, I just think. I mean, Melbourne are you know horribly out of form. That 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 position will probably hurt the most in, when a side's horribly out of form. He looked he looked lost the first two weeks. I saw there was enough last night, particularly in that first half. Where I thought that's. That's the Petrarca that we think he can mm. become. So clean over the footy, yeah. Isn't it? When the it's the fumble and yeah. the and he that that matchup is we're we're seeing a lot of those players, you know, Dugowie, Caddy, Robbie Gray when he goes forward, and Jake Stringer's now slot. He, he's starting to show that 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 medium size forward can be a really really difficult matchup. What's the position that Dusty Martin holds when he goes forward? That's right, danger as well. They 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 throw the cat amongst the pigeons. Kane, before you leave us, just give us your best. 30 or 40 seconds on Adelaide? Uh, well, they've got serious issues. Their forwards continually play from behind. They're looking for easy balls out the back. I thought Geelong set up and covered all of the dangerous space. Um, they've got issues in the ruck. Um, clearly, Riley, Riley O'Brien is not going to be up to it. Sam Jacobs is, is getting on a little bit. So, look, that their draw is favourable. I think the next four is North Melbourne, Gold Coast, St Kilda and Fremantle in there before a showdown. Three out of their next five at home. So they can get their game going, but... Uh, this isn't the Adelaide I thought we'd see prior to the start of the year. So where do you think this Adelaide sort of ranks in the scheme of things? Oh, this, this Adelaide's in, in the struggle to make the eight, isn't it? Correct. This is the Adelaide that's in from 6 to 12, I would think. Jared. Oh. Can, I, can I ask him one question? Uh, I know you got to... Be quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I watched the Crouch brothers in isolation... Their break-even is 60, I would suggest, Kane, because they are very easy to play against going the other way. Yeah, well, offense, defensively, they're not strong. But when they get it going, like Matt Crouch did in third, they're, yep. they're hard to stop. You can explore that further in the crunch, term. Good on you, Kane. Great to have you as part of it.
Thanks, guys. Kane Corn's part of our Crunch Time team in 2019. Carlton and Sydney first up this afternoon. The Crunch, all the key issues, including tanking and all other matters, coming up after the break. The award-winning Crunch Time. The Honda HRV, as different as the people who drive it. Fall in love with lunch again at Subway with 19 fresh new ingredients at participating restaurants. Round three thus far has enhanced the credentials of Geelong and undermined those of Adelaide. It's seen Melbourne slip to zero and three and the historical impediment that that has always been and Essendon has a foothold in the season. The next to go, a pair of teams at zero and two, Carlton and Sydney. So Carlton, this is a chance to win a game after being impressive through their first two in defeat. And the Swans carry a whole lot of question marks, which internally they're not entertaining. But 0-3 on might bring all of that into sharp focus. On Crunch Time, you're with Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton and Bob Murphy. This is the Crunch, the issues of the week as they have presented in footy for Scooty the best way to get around town. The Herald Sun has uh, revealed... In detail, we've never had before the decade-old tanking out of Melbourne, the transcripts of all the interviews that took place. There's a couple of different ways to come at this. As Gil McLaughlin was on 3AW yesterday uh, in the aftermath of the Herald Sun's publication. People will throw these words around, match-fixing, tanking. There was an investigation, then there's what could be proved and what couldn't. And there was, uh, what, uh, it was a view from the Integrity Department that what could be proved was that um, individuals had acted um, contrary to the interests of the prejudicial to the interests of the game, and they were held accountable for that. And people can say what they like, but out for a year is a significant sanction. And Gary Lyon last night, part of our broadcast on AFL Nation, around what he learnt when he came to the club and the state that it was in in the immediate aftermath of the tanking period. I got to the footy club at the end of that year and walked into an environment that you just you wouldn't believe in terms of talking to people as I had to do to try and get a handle on it. I'd spend hours and hours with some of those people whose names were mentioned there and I'd, I'd walk out shaking my head. And then I'd talk to another group of people and it'd be totally contradictory. And so you go, what, what chance he got? It was crazy. Crazy in Gary's estimation. So... A great piece of journalism to be able to produce all of this and give us a chance to read through, reinforcing some of what we knew and then really elaborating on on what was taking place. So I would say these are the, in order, three three things that we, um, we learnt deeper about. The poisonous relationship between Dean Bailey and Chris Connolly sort of leapt off the page. Um, and whether they were at any stage aligned in what they were trying to do, uh, and Bailey was pretty clear that he believed his he was under duress, his job was under threat, and the investigators seemed quite sympathetic to that view in the way that you read the question and answers. Two, is the AFL manipulated an outcome which we all called out at the time as they refuse to define tanking. As Gil says, you throw around these words. Well, it's the AFL's job to define what tanking is and then to hold clubs to a standard. And it suited their purposes never to do it because it's not in the AFL's best interests to prove tanking within its competition, not legally and not from a sporting context. So, and even yesterday in the commentary is the idea of match fixing it's that is such a poor path to take tanking down that's never what tanking was but if you leave it as match fixing then it couldn't 
have been proven. It was a manipulated outcome. There was strong arming to get Dean Bailey to accept a, a penalty and, and Chris Connolly to serve a year without ever bringing it to a full fruition. And even the way that it was presented at the time, um, Gil McLaughlin was the league number two at the time, bringing down the penalties rather than it being owned by the chief executive because they well knew that what they were saying really defied logic. Do you, do you feel like you need to make a... a discern between the two, match fixing and tanking? Yes, yes. Yeah, and you is, do, don't you? And, and as a football media, we were never any good at holding a line and, on, and demanding the, the AFL come up with a definition because it became a bit of a dog whistle. As soon as a team would start losing, there's someone in the Herald Sun would declare, oh, that's tanking, and then a couple of weeks later they'd be winning games and they'd be back in form. Whereas I think you could probably carefully plot a case that there were between two and five cases of what legitimate tanking was to to um, take the advantages that were on offer in a completely flawed system and then you, around but, the priority. But then you've got the grey area of you're not going to make finals. You might finish mid-table yep. of those that are outside the finals. So you've got two or three boys who could play through to the yep. end of the year. You put them in early for surgery. Is that tanking or is that just not giving yourself the best chance? Yeah, so... Who ran the orchestrated campaigns to stay below the four-game threshold? Mm. Oh, to stay at the four-game yep. threshold. That, that's And every time anyone in this investigation is asked, did you deliberately lose games, the answer was no. And I, when you phrase it like that, I can absolutely believe the answer was yep. no. But it was all the things that were being done to build that. So it was convenient for the AFL never to define tanking, and they still... Don't do it yesterday, all these years on. The third one for me, and this was sort of the... This all happened to get Scully and Trengove, and that takes your breath away when you think about the, his, the, the, the way that that ended up panning out, the damage that it did to a footy club, and the fact that it still lingers now as such an open wound. It was all done to get Scully and Trengove. It, it lingers as an open wound, as you say, Jared. Now, so we we get now the expose, and it must be really difficult for the current crop. And Simon Good it must be really difficult. I, I, I'm intrigued also just about just about the effect it has to your club's culture. Of yeah. one of the things yes. that one of the things that jumped out to me from from what I've read, even within this um, decision to to tank. The board must have been involved, but they didn't want to be the scene to the ones to talk about it or give the directive. And Chris Connolly seemed to be the one that you know, he was the voice for it. And then there was, so even within that, there, there was there was not a collective. There wasn't a team sort of approach to it. And I, I wonder if those decisions are so rotten that the effect will be for for God knows how long, and and are we and it just happens to fall at the you know the dam. This you know, might be a, a a bow too long for a lot of people, but we now see Melbourne who are up and down and and let and let you down. We we had them as oh they would be certainly top four this year, and they're zero and three. Is is it is it a lingering cultural effect? There's a balancing act between checking in with reality and and a belief. And the only thing I can say, during that time being on the board at Hawthorne, there were times when we were down as we were, you know, turned through the century and and the before, you know, the arrival of Franklin and Roughhead and those and, and Jordan Lewis, though, that brigade, Hawthorne were a pretty ordinary team. But if you look historically at it, 
Hawthorne tended to win the last four games of the year. Mm. Uh, but we made a decision that that'll be great for pre-season training. We'll go into pre-season training having won four out of four, three out of four of the last four, and we can feel good about ourselves and we can believe we're getting better. The reality suggests we missed out on a couple of good draft picks, but the culture thereafter says we're in it to win it. Always we want that's, to win yeah, it. And that's, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah, the, the, the culture the DN, and the spirit. That's when you, the DNA when you, of your club. When you reduce football clubs to it, they're very core. It's about us against the rest of the world and we will do anything to win. Mm. And so when... You can pick it, some clubs that win the last three of And I know, four, I know there's, there four might four be suspicions of other clubs who have manipulated mm. things, but Mel, not as... Not as Publicly or as obvious as this Melbourne situation, and it just it makes it makes you wonder if you chip away at that very core of what the whole place is about, that damage can be profound for a long, long time. That just makes sense to me. Yep. Mm. At the time, Dan, so you lived through a lot of this period in in strategic roles. Did you have the sense that clubs were manipulating elsewhere, we, that, that there was active tanking going on? I, I felt that clubs never tanked in-game, but I felt that they could set up, set out and hobble themselves for a win. Whether that is defined, as you said, there's no pure description, definition of it. I felt that they weren't giving themselves the best chance before game day. And to be quite frank, I I wanted my club to win four out of the last four when some teams you felt not put the cue in the rack, but they were walking over to it, you know, and they yep. and they and they had the the cue ready to to place in the little notch at the bottom, you know, and they just you just felt that they'd Look, said, We'll have a go. But it's not be-all and end-all, whereas we felt it was. What, Like, the the risk of the damage of doing this to then as good a picks as one and two, they're, they're not sure things. Draft picks no. are not they're not sure things. No, no, you see some of the yeah some of the blokes who've gone in the top ten and some who've come in at 70, or you played with the back end of a career with a bloke who went at 104, I think he was, Chris Grant. Chris Grant, yeah. Yeah. Good value. <laughs> That's a fair guess. The cautionary tale in all of it does loom large, but as does the... I mean, it was an appalling system that was set up and has been scrapped, and quite rightly so. Dermot Barrett and Bob Murphy, Jared Waitley on crunch time. The crunch, turn your scooter into a money-making machine drive for Scooty, Melbourne's first two-wheeled taxi. You can tell me after the break what your understanding of rough conduct is, what your understanding of prohibited contact is, and how the accumulation clause sits in... All all of that will get down. Footy fields or nightclubs? <laughs> <laughs> Footy fields <laughs> coming up. Okay. Taxi ranks. <laughs> This is the crunch for Scooty, the best way to get around town. Jared Waitley, Dermot Brereton, Bob Murphy with you. Are we any clearer on what constitutes prohibited contact after the events of the week? Uh, well, we know that forearm jolts and fists are going to incur a penalty. And open-handed with force. We're not so sure because they haven't come out and said that. Yeah, I can, I'll read but it to you if you like. Have they? Yeah. Have they said an open hand with force? Have yeah. they said that's, that's the a same as a fist? Okay. What about the accumulation clause? What, what about well? What about the inside of your forearm, the fleshy bit? I'm worried, Jared, that the more you seek clarification on this, I'm sat next. 
He's going to start testing these things out (laughs) on me. I can sense Uh, it. Well, funny enough, my era, Bob, was we felt safer from those antics because players didn't do it. There was a common, not a courtesy, there was an understanding and an unwritten law between players in that era that if you did that, the umpire would literally give you a free shot against the other bloke who, who... perpetrated the deed. That's interesting, isn't it? Because our, my era was that the the violent hits were out because of the cameras, you know, because yeah. there's too many cameras. So those unexpected, like proper punches behind play, but the the elbow into the back from yeah. Backman. And I, and I do remember being standing on the halfback flank for years and, the and you know, getting the elbow in the back and the umpire saying, hey, boys, stop that, stop that, stop that. And then get to the point going... Well, you're Why not going to you, well, you're not gonna blow a free kick, so just leave us be. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to stop, and you're not going to pay a free <laughs> kick. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of open to that. Like, yeah, yeah, the got, accumulation yeah, clause. But it's but it's, it's when the, it's the little the little. I'm glad the it's soft ones. The way I, I don't know when we stop it. So that's way. That's not excessive enough. But I'm glad it's happening because I'm seeing. I as you know, I go and watch a lot of junior footy and. And juniors are starting. We're starting to do this forearm jolt to the back, and that, and it just looks despicable. Okay, so is it worthwhile if it rinses the rubbish from the game? Yes, yes. I know that the Sicily one looked preposterous to to penalise him for that, but if you're going to penalise him for that, let's be consistent. And as you called it, a great description. I feel like I'm working with two fleshy thesauruses, but <laughs> rinses it from the game. Yes. Yeah. What about rough conduct and where we got to with the Mason Cox case? It was put forward. Um, I have a degree of unease about how those five days went and the the ominous... Should it be a reportable offence or not? Nathan Buckley said no. We ended up in the halfway house as it was sustained as a reportable offence and was a fine. Where's the, where's the line in there for rough conduct? The, well, the line is... is is so difficult that I, I I go to my gut of when you watch it and go, malice is it enough in it? No, and that, I looked at that and just said instinctively, no, that there yeah there was contact, but and when we but then we slow it down and there was there contact to the head, it gets so finicky that it's difficult. This is one of but the I, ones that instinctively I instinctively I said no. I look at this Bob and say there's no clear definition written on. You know, in ink on the paper here. You have to be a footballer to know this and adjudicate on this, which is Michael Christian, which surprises me the the, 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 the area he got to with it because it is one of the ones and we've phased away from intent. It's more results-based over the recent years. For me, the, the Mason Cox one was, was there intent to injure his opponent? And, I'd, and, I, and even though... I'm saying we've gone away from the intent clause. I think we have to, in footballing uh, sense and community, bring that back in for cases such as this. Was there an intent by Mason Cox to injure Dylan Grimes? And I don't think there was any intent to hurt him. With a 6-6-6 setup, when a team gets it wrong and have seven in the wrong arc, should it be a warning or should it be a free Play kick? the whistle. Play the whistle. Give a free kick. It has to be like the centre square, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just... I, I think, you know, what are we having, a honeymoon period for those who can't count? Mm. 
just blow the whistle. If, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong once. You won't get it wrong twice. If you do, you're probably worth a game in the Magoos next week. Yeah, so there was one last night. Last night, and that was Darcy Parrish running around to the back of the square. He was a winger. He, he was an inside defensive 50, but he wanted to come in off the back of the square, <laughs> and he just he ran around there, and he looked at him still and went, what? what? This, what? this is a good time for simple footballers because... <laughs> For, for years, coaches tested players' ability to navigate. What are the numbers? Seven, six, five. Where, where? Now it's like, no, no, we've 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 dumbed it down as much as we possibly can. It's six, six, six. It's time. We just six, six, six. Sort it out. Pay a free kick if you can't get that right. Yeah. How do you reckon Warwick would go? <laughs> Well, that's a good you, question. If you've got five in the centre square, we don't have our... You just, just nick off, would you? And if you do it again, it's a free kick. Like, this, this, is, that. this is really Can't. easy. This it's is a It's not Can't. if you didn't... If the player who's struggling to get there in time, that's fine. Yep, you're not there in time. But if you legitimately just completely balls it up, that's yeah. a free kick. I, hey, just one on the on area free kicks, the zone free kicks. Have you ever seen... Uh, uh, I've been a Hawthorne person who couldn't couldn't give a stuff. The doggies were running over the Hawks anyway, but have you ever seen an umpire give a free kick for a player who walked through the centre circle like James Warfel in the last quarter to get to his part of the centre circle? When was the last player who walked across the centre circle when play was ready to go? I can't remember a player doing it because every player knows you can't do it. Well, you can. No, you can't. Every you, player knows. No, no, you can, but I have you to can't. Zip around. Yeah, yeah, you can, but you can't. There is a time when you can't. But the umpire's there, and unless he steps up to the chalk of the line, you can walk through because he's not purely ready to bounce the ball. Players walk through it all the time, but once he's set, you can't. Waffle just missed time by a second or so. <laughs> I, but I looked, haven't yeah. seen that freak. No, James, be smarter. Come on, mate. You can't just wander across, well, please. I'm that, totally okay with that yeah. free kick. I'm yeah. okay with it too. I just haven't seen it. If you're given a warning for a team that wants to put seven I hadn't behind seen it the either. footy... I just knew that it was like, can't no, do that. No, That's wrong. It looks wrong. I, I, I thought it was one of those ones where they the umpire goes, come on, mate, get out quicker. I'm ready to bounce it. <laughs> I've let these blokes off with a warning for having seven in the defensive 50. Walking to that, he's not holding anyone. He's not punching anyone. He's not tripping anyone. I'm, he's I'm, not yeah. trying to get an advantage. Because, uh, he's trying to start the game. First free kick for Jay walking. Is that Fife's defensive running, Paul? Uh, it's not great, but he's a victim of his own greatness is that if you were as good as Nat Fife, you probably wouldn't put yeah, that much it, into the opposition either. Is it, Nat, is it Nat Fife or the best of the best midfielders? But that is licensed not to defensive runners. Yeah, it? that's right. And often they have someone to just check, close check with them and they go, oh, I've got, I got, yeah, I got yeah, mine. I'm manning yeah, up. Yeah, the trailer's on. Yeah. I'll be dragging him around. I, I heard an interview once when James Heard was still playing and they said, who'd you play last week? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're running around behind me looking at my number. I'm not looking at them. <laughs> That's Jin, Jin, we'll, we'll, we'll probably get our answer this week to watch Nat Fife play because he would have he would have been cut by that. So yeah. if, if if we see him chasing down tackles in defensive 50, <laughs> <to> go, <laughs> Bruzy must have struck a nerve. So Nat Fife is he's one of the high end intelligent footballers. Is he sitting there going? 
I know Ross put Rusey up to that. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? I'm sitting <laughs> oh, there. I'm sitting there when I when I listen to this, and 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 the thing that gave it away for me for Rusey is I have talked to coaches. I thought, yeah, I know the first one you talked to. <laughs> he needed to pass it on one more, didn't he? It needed to be come from Gary or Jerry. For all our listeners, we we do have a, uh, a syndrome in AFL football where a coach needs of a strong message sent to one of his players, he doesn't do it himself. He gets one of his mates in the media to do it. Load the and bullet. Then, and therefore it becomes public and the player says, well, all right, it was just between us two. Now yeah. it's between me and the footballing world. I better do it. But then put your arm around and you and I'm going to help. I'm going to help you prove a point. <laughs> he to wants him. to be. He wants to be. <laughs> you and I are going to prove him wrong. Yeah, he's going to be the solution. <laughs> I love it. Turn your scooter into a money-making machine. Drive for Scooty, Melbourne's first two-wheel taxi. That is the crunch. Uh, some of the issues of the week as they clear us towards today. Um, we'll have a chance as the afternoon expands in our footy coverage to analyse this and what else has come. Just a quick snapshot of tonight. Who's got? Who's more invested in tonight, Collingwood or West Coast? Uh, Collingwood have done nothing wrong. I mean, they, they grasped one a little bit early in round one, but they've been very good last week, and you think they're going pretty well. I think the Eagles are the best balanced team in the comp at the moment. I've gone Eagles. Skewered right down the middle. Mm. Right down. I've, I've picked the pies by two points. I, I think McGovern will separate the issue here. Yeah. Good crunch time. Cheers. Derek Burton and Bob Murphy. Crunch time for Honda HRV with sporty styling and premium interior. It's as, as different as the people who drive it. And fall in love with lunch again at Subway with 19 fresh new ingredients at participating restaurants. That's all that's been now an eye towards what's to come next. The roof is open at Marvel. Business opens for one of these two, the Savo, Carlton and the Swans. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.